Good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Man, I just want to welcome everybody that's in this room. I want to welcome everybody that is watching online with us. Welcome Lighthouse Point. Let's go. Can we give it up for all of our friends over at Lighthouse Point? Uh, my name is Susie, and I have the incredible honor of getting to hang out with our middle school and high schoolers here. They are a blast. If you are not hanging out with us on a Wednesday night, well, let me say this. You have to be in middle school or high school, okay? I know the adults in the room would love to come and hang out with us on a Wednesday night, but you can't. You aged out. And so if you have anybody that you guys know, come and hang out with us. It's a blast on Wednesday nights. So fun. But I'm really excited to be hanging out with you guys today. And before we dive into the message, something that I think is so, so important is that we maintain this value of honor. And so I just want to honor our pastors in this place. You know, I've been thinking about everything. I don't know if you guys saw the video, but TJ actually jumped through the drywall. Did everybody see? You saw that? That was kind of crazy, right? He did like a football. I think he was really reliving his football days. Um, and so he dove through drywall, and it got me thinking, like, everything that we are getting to experience, the expansion, like, sitting in this room, like, being a part of this church and this community, the people, the friends that we have, like, all of that is on the back of the blood, sweat, tears, sacrifice, discipline, refusal to quit of Pastor TJ and Shayla. So can we honor them in this house today at Lighthouse Point, online, in your house, like, clap it up, you know, do it, whatever. And then the second, actually the third person I want to honor is my husband, Kyle, um, man, you know, he always speaks some encouraging words to me right before I come up here. And he is really the reason why I'm able to keep doing this. And he leads our family so, so well. And so thank you, Kyle, for what you do. So let's dive in today. I have a question for you guys. Has anybody ever ruined something for you? So let's say that there was like a movie, right, that you wanted to see. And somebody was like, yeah, I just want to tell you like one detail about the movie. And then they tell you the entire storyline of the movie to the point where there's no reason for you to even see the movie anymore, right? That's happened? Yeah. How about this one? This is like the worst one for me personally. I don't know about you at Lighthouse Point. I don't know about you guys in the room. But like the worst one for me is that I'm a product of the 90s, okay? I grew up in the 90s. And because of my brother and my sister being older, I grew up with 90s R&B, hip-hop, and pop, right? Yeah. And I could quote, like if a song started playing, I could, I could, I got bars for days, I'll rap with it, I, I can do it. But what happens, the worst thing that somebody can do to me is they walk up and they're like, have you ever actually listened to the lyrics of those songs? <laughs> no, I have not. I listened to the beat and I might know every word, but I've never actually listened to it. But now that you just made me aware of it, now the next time that song plays, I'm like, wow, my ears are bleeding from the lyrics of what I used to listen to. And, and now that person just ruined that song for me. I now cannot listen to it the same ever again. And so people ruin things all the time. And so today, I'm going to be that person. Are you guys ready? And I might not actually like ruin this verse for you, but I hope that I'm going to give you guys just a different perspective. You see, there is this verse that if we were to take a field trip right now and we were to go walk into Target, we could probably find four journals with this verse on it. We hear it at every baby dedication. We hear it at every graduation. People that have never stepped foot into church could probably quote this verse because we use it everywhere. And so it's this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, and we're going to say it together. It's in your notes if you want to read along if you don't know it by heart by now. But Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And everybody said, aw, amen. That happened last night. It was supposed to be an aw. Everybody amened me. That's okay. Either way, it's, not, it's a great verse. But I wonder if we really knew the context of this verse, if we actually knew the audience of this verse, if we actually knew what was happening at the time of this verse, would this verse have the same meaning in our life that we do, that we use it for today? And so what I want to let you know is that the audience of this verse is actually the Israelites. And during this time, the Israelites were in a full-blown rebellion. They were running away from God. They were doing whatever they wanted to do. They were out living life. There were prophets at the time that were saying, YOLO, like live it up, do your thing. Everything that you are doing is great and permissible. Like keep doing it. God is so happy with you. Have peace and prosperity. This is great. And so in this moment, God sends Jeremiah, a prophet, to go speak to the Israelites, all of them, and be like, hey, so you guys are messing up. Um, I know that all these other prophets are telling you that you're doing a great job, but you guys are actually in like a full-blown rebellion against God. And so what God is, is telling you to do is that you, maybe you've heard about this big, bad Babylon that has been kind of taking over all of these nations. Well, Babylon is going to take over you. You are going to be captured. You are going to be destroyed. And so what we need you to do is not stay here, but actually willingly go into exile. And now, I don't know what type of a human you are, but that would not sit well with me, okay? And, and has anybody, this is how, I don't know if you know me really well or not, and so I'm going to tell you about me in a story, but has anybody in here ever played paintball? Yeah? Lighthouse Point, you played paintball before? All right. I will never forget the first time I went and played paintball, okay? A group of my friends and I were like, let's go do this. This is going to be so hardcore. I have extremely competitive friends, okay? I'm competitive. I think you by nature kind of have friends that are like you, that surround you. And so a group of friends were like, we're going to go play paintball. And so we get there and we're getting geared up. You know, I'm putting on so many layers because I am saying like, this is going to hurt so bad. And so I am layering up, right? My friend gets out of his car and starts dressing in a leaf suit. He looked like a bag of leaves. And I was like, that is the most unfair advantage that I have ever heard because you are gonna put on your bush suit and you are gonna go sit in a bush or lay on the floor and take everybody out. That is not fair, you're not allowed to wear that. And he's like, I'm gonna wear it. And I was like, well, hopefully you get on my team. Of course, he does not get on my team. And I'm like, nope, unfair advantage, take the bush suit off. you know. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to go against Bush guy, you know, all these different things. And so here I am, we walk out. It's this super cool, it's all outdoors. It's like this huge obstacle course where there's forts that you can like take over. Like it is real, it is the real deal. And so you get in your place on your team side and this buzzer goes off. The moment that that buzzer went off, you would have thought I was in real life Hunger Games. I got down on the floor, I took mud on my face, and I was like, this is war. Like, it became real and, and real fast. And it was now life and death. This was not like you get hit with a paintball and your team loses. And so I was like determined to survive. That was my only goal in life was like, I had to get out of here alive. And so I was like freaking out. I will tell you this, uh, my team did win, okay? Woo, yeah, all the competitive people in the room. Competitive. I did nothing to help them. I actually just hid really well. I shot no one. I found out that I'm really bad at paintball, but I can hide better than the bush guy because somehow he got out, and I don't know how they found him. But 
It was an intense game and all I could think about was surviving. And when I think about this, like what Jeremiah was saying is Jeremiah is telling them, hey, willingly go walk into exile. That would be like you telling me in the middle of that paintball game to walk into the middle of the field and put my hands up and say, hey, I'm out. There was no way that that was going to happen. But these Israelites are being told, hey, listen, you're going to leave everything that you know. You're going to leave your land, all your possessions, everything that you have built, everything that you have created, and you are going to go live in another land under a different rule, and you are going to stay there. Like, that does not sound like a good time. That sounds like maybe some of the seasons that we've been in, right? A season of loss, a season of hardship, a season of challenge, a season of having to lose everything that we know or everything that we've built or everything that we're used to and walking into a season of unknown, a season of heartbreak, so many different things. And the truth is, is that we all have these exile type of seasons. Maybe it's an unwanted divorce. Maybe it is a best friend betraying you. Maybe it is that you have saved up your entire life only to have one emergency take all of your savings away. Maybe it is walking through a job loss or walking through all these different things. Like we have these seasons that can feel like an exile, these seasons of hardship and these seasons of turmoil. And what I know is that in this verse, in these verses, God actually breaks apart what he wants us to do in seasons of exile because he does not want us to just survive it. He actually wants us to excel in exile. And so I put that in your notes. Like, listen, God is not calling you. God is not walking you through some of these spaces for you to just survive it. There are some things that have to get done. There are some things that we have to do in these seasons if we are going to get something out of it. And so these verses that precede that beautiful verse that we all quote in verse 11 actually give us a really cool template of some of the things that we can do when we find ourselves in an exile season. And so let's dive into Jeremiah 29, 4 through 11. It says this, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity to the city for which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper." Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you, en you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. This is the verse right before the verse that we all quote. When 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and not a future, and a future, <laughs> not a future. Oh, gosh, misquoted that one. <laughs> what I love about this verse, though, is he says, in this season, I want you to increase, not decrease. What that means is that even though we walk through seasons that we don't like, there are still things that we need to do. There is still work that needs to get done because God wants us to increase in those seasons. He doesn't want us to go in the same way that we come out. Like he wants us to come out better than we went in. And so there are some things that we have to do in exile if we are going to excel in it. And the first thing that we have to do is we have to get the right plan. He said right there, he said, build houses and settle down. The NLT version actually says plan 
to stay. Imagine in one of those tough seasons, God's looking at you and he says, hey, uh, get used to this. Plan to stay. Build, plant, increase. There's some work that's got to get done in these seasons that is going to be so, so important. And you know, when I was in that paintball game, all I could think about was surviving, right? Because fear had taken over. Fear was what had my adrenaline through the roof. Fear was what had my heart rate like going a million miles an hour. Fear had me literally thinking that this was my time to survive. But fear is a terrible motivator because fear help, makes us think about how's, what's my way out. It's creating this escape plan in our lives. And I think so often when we're in seasons that we hate, we spend so much of our time and our brain power dreaming of a different reality. We are trying to find an escape plan. We are trying to find something, a way out. How can I get out of this season quicker? And so maybe we ask ourselves some questions like, when's my next vacation? And that's all we're thinking about we, so that we can escape from our reality. When's my next vacation? And we, so we spend all of our time planning our vacations. When's the next time I can go get wasted with my buddies so that I can forget about my reality of what's happening right now? How can I plan enough work trips so that I don't have to be home because home is terrible? We have all of these things where we are trying to escape the very season that God had us in. And what God wants us to do is God actually wants us to get a game plan, not an escape plan. A game plan is something so different. Listen to this. A game plan is a strategy worked out in advance that we use as a guide to grow, to play better, to have an advantage over our opponent. If you've ever played sports, you always have a game plan going into your game. Why? Because even in real life, I think we forget this all the time. Like as much as God has plans and purposes for our life, there's an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy all of those things. And so we have an opponent. And instead of an escape plan is not going to get you out of that opponent. The opponent actually wants you to escape. He wants you to prematurely exit your exile so that you don't get whatever God is trying to do in this season. And so if you listen to him, you are going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. But if we can have a game plan for the purposes and plans that God has for us, what that is saying is I'm accepting my reality, right? Whether I like it or not, I'm here. Whether my decisions got me here, whether this is just part of life, I am here. I cannot change that I am here. And so I'm going to accept where I am at, but I'm going to build. I'm going to plant. I'm going to grow. I'm going to increase in this season because there's some work that needs to get done. And so maybe we ask ourselves some things like, even though I might not like this season where I'm at, how can I build something what can I plant in this season? What is God trying to teach me? What can I learn from this? And how can I grow in this exile season? You see, we got to get a game plan for this, man. We got to figure out, we got to, like, what is God trying to do? Is God trying to correct something in you? Is God trying to, uh, encourage you in a way? Is he trying to build something? Is he working on a characteristic that you're going to need for something in the future? Like there is something that God is trying to do in this season. If we only have an escape plan, if we just keep wishing this away, we are going to miss everything that God is trying to do right here, right now. So if we are going to excel in exile, we got to get a game plan. And the second thing that we got to do is we got to get the right perspective. You said, he said, seek the peace and prosperity of the city for which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. God is telling the Israelites to pray for Babylon. You know that verse that says, pray for your enemies? That's a real cute verse. 
until you have to actually do that. When somebody is pissing you off and you are in a, a rough spot with someone, Praying is the last thing that you want to do. You want to go talk about them, find your friends, tell about how bad these people are, have your friends tell you like, yes, they are terrible, validate how you're feeling. Like the last thing that we want to do is pray for the very first person that is like really, you know, rubbing against us, pissing us off. You know what I'm saying? But God right here is like, yo, you have to pray for those people. So guess what? You're in a job that you don't like. You know what you have to do? Pray for your bosses. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for the success of that company. Because what you do right now is actually building your character and your reputation, and it's setting you up to either help or hurt you in your next job. Because you don't realize that the decisions that you're making day to day are, are growing you. It's growing your integrity, your characteristics, the things that people know about you, and that is going to carry you for the rest of your life. And so we have to be careful how we are acting in some of these seasons. If you're in a school that you don't like, everybody hates school. These are for my teenagers in here. You're supposed to be praying for your teachers. Maybe you're in a marriage that you hate and you are about to walk out. Guess what you're supposed to be doing? You're supposed to be praying for your spouse. I feel like so often we run our mouth way more than run our mouth to other people instead of praying for it. And not praying, hey, God, uh, fix everything that's in my spouse so that they can be perfect for me because that's what I need. No, 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 no. Think about these prayers. Hey, God, remind me the man or the woman that I fell in love with. Hey, God, remind me the visions and the dreams that you used to speak to that person. Remind me the characteristics that stood out to me when we first started dating. God, restore the butterflies that were once there. How much more powerful are those prayers? Vision casting for where you could be, even if your spouse is not following the Lord. Let's say they have taken off. They've gone the wrong direction. Like You are praying for what is possible. We actually had a, a, a married couple in our, in our church a long time ago. This wife prayed for her husband for 25 years. When he was out, he was smoking, he was drinking, he was doing all kinds of drugs, partying. She would actually go to the parties to watch him, prayed for him for 25 years, and God restored him 25 years later. And he is now walking in the purposes and the plans for everything that God has designed for him, and they are still married to this day, serving the Lord. That is a praying spouse. That is what prayer looks like. And so why do we pray, though? What's, what's the point of praying, right? Sometimes it can feel pointless, or sometimes we maybe don't know the why. The truth is, is that life creates these things called barriers. And barriers, I put it in your notes like this. It says, a barrier is a circumstance or an obstacle that keeps people or things apart and prevents communication or progress. And so what are some things that cause barriers? Anger, pride, betrayal, Bitterness, revenge, sadness, loneliness, busyness, stress, hurt. All of these things cause barriers in our life. They're human emotions and they're real and they're valid, but they create these barriers in our life to where we are actually seeing our situations through the wrong perspective. And so prayer comes in and prayer actually breaks those barriers so that we can get the right perspective that is aligned with God's word and God's visions and the things that God wants us to see in our situation. 
I don't know about you, but when I start praying for somebody, I naturally start to get a little bit more compassionate towards them. I gain a little bit more empathy for where they're walking in. No matter how bad they are pissing me off, it's like, man, I, maybe, maybe they're hurting, right? And out of that hurt is why they're acting and why they're treating me this way. And so God will give me a little piece of something to kind of cling on to. When I start praying for a situation, he starts to illuminate some details in that situation that makes it a little bit easier to carry. Because prayer does things that we cannot do in this physical realm. It does things in the spiritual realm that go before our situation and get us out of it. It gives us a different perspective. As we put our focus on God, we start to see our situation so differently, and it helps us to process through everything that we're walking through. That's why we always say, get real with God. He's not afraid. He already knows. I think it's so funny to me, actually. I'm going to say this. Prayer is so funny to me because you'll have somebody that you know is, like, angry at God or you know is like really struggling. But then you'll ask them to pray, and they're like, Dear Lord, we love you so much, and life is great, and I'm blessed and highly favored, and I just thank you so much for all. It's like, stop. Yes, thank God for those things. And yes, remain a grateful heart, but do not fake it. God knows that you are upset. God knows that you are sad. God knows that you are walking through a really hard time. God knows that you are pissed off at this person. Like God knows all these things. And if we don't get real with God, who can we get real with? And so we got to get real. We got to process through our situation, but allow God in those moments. Because what God wants to do in that prayer is he actually wants to break the barriers that your feelings have caused so that he can align you with the right perspective, with his word, and with his visions. And so maybe your company, you don't like this job, right? And so you start praying, and your day-to-day gets a little bit easier. Your, your marriage, right? Maybe he actually breaks the barrier of dissatisfaction, and you start to see that your spouse has actually been doing kind things all along, but you couldn't see it. And so we got to get the right plan. We got to get the right perspective. And then the third thing, if we are going to excel in exile, is that we got to get the right people in our lives. He said in scripture, he said, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. Name, I have not sent them, declares the Lord. You see, at this time, there was this set up, there was prophets all amongst the Israelites that were saying, hey, don't worry about this. We're God's people. God wants peace for us. God loves us. Just stay here. Stay. This is our land. Like, he wouldn't call us out of our land. He wouldn't call us into an uncomfortable situation. He wouldn't ask us to do these things. And at most, actually, one of these prophets said, at most, it'll be two years. I don't know about you guys, but their plans sound a lot better than Jeremiah's 70 years of exile. And how many of us, how many of us have heard advice like this? Ready? Do whatever makes you happy in life. Follow your heart. It's cute. God made you like that, so, you know, just use that as an excuse to do whatever it is that you want to do. God's grace covers everything, so you do you, boo-boo. That advice sounds so much better. It's the easy route. But a lot of times the easy route actually leads to destruction. A lot of times the easy things in life are not the way that God has planned for us. You know, there was this moment in my mid-20s where I realized that I was not where I wanted to be in life. I wasn't financially, relationally, spiritually where I wanted to be. And I realized that I had to stop getting advice from my friends that were in my same situation. I think a lot of times we surround ourselves with our friends and 
No matter what season of life you're like, man, I'm going to ask my friends for advice. But we're, it's like the blind leading the blind. We're all in the same spot. And so I made a decision that I was going to seek out some people that were where I wanted to be financially, relationally, and spiritually. And I was going to seek their advice. I was still going to chat with my friends. But I wanted some advice from the outside. And so financially, I'm about to throw myself real hard under the bus. And so welcome to my life. Um, I sit down with a financial advisor. And my very first, the very first question that comes out of this financial advisor's mouth, hey, so um, how do you work at Starbucks and you're driving a Cadillac? I said, so you see what had happened was, um, it's a lease? And he said, well, cool. I said, is that a bad decision? He said, yeah, that's a bad decision. He said, let's look at your finances. He's like, we have some work to do. But you know what my friends at the time were telling me? Hey, you deserve that. You work really, really hard. I'm so happy for you. That car's beautiful. I mean, they loved riding it. Who wouldn't love riding in a caddy? You know what I'm saying? We took it everywhere. And as much as we need encouragement from our friends, like, listen, I needed that. But I also needed to be corrected. And that financial advisor in one question I was like, oh, wow, this is a bad idea, huh? But up until then, I honestly thought that I was doing a great job. I thought I was like, I was like, come on, I have a little bit in savings. Like, this is, looks good, right? I mean, it's beautiful, though. <laughs> you know, what about relationally? I, I realized, like, man, I want a healthy, strong marriage one day. And so I sought out a couple marriages in our, in our church, and I was like, let me just ask some questions, right? And then when Kyle and I started dating, we actually decided to lead a marriage connect group. Sounds so weird, right? But honestly, it was one of the coolest things we ever did because we got this curriculum and so we got to learn about what a successful marriage was going to take while we were just dating. And then in that connect group was people that had been married for 25 plus years. There was people that were engaged. There were people that were married for two years. There were single people. There were people that were dating. We had the most wide variety group ever. And we got to hear and listen to advice from people who were further along than us. And in this insight, of what they had to offer. And I think so often in our life, we keep people around us that are telling us the things that we want to hear, not the things that we need to hear. And so we gotta get the right people because what's gonna happen is that if we listen to the wrong voices in these moments, we might actually exit our exile prematurely and miss out on everything that God is doing. And so listen, I don't know why you're gonna walk, we, we all are gonna walk through an exile at some point. We're going to walk through a hard time. And whether that's because of decisions that we've made that have consequences and now we find ourselves in this season or whether it is just a part of life and it's just something that we're walking through, what it promises us in Scripture is that all of that working together will be, will be used for God's good. There is something in this season that is growing and expanding, and there is something that God is doing in this season, but if we are too quick to jump out of it, we're going to miss out on everything that God is doing. And so if we will do this, if we'll find the right plan, if we'll find the right perspective, if we'll find the right people, then let's pick up in verse 12. It says, then you will call on me and you will come and you will pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity I will gather you from all the nations and the places from where I banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. 
And I wanted to end on this verse because I think that this is so foreign to us. You know, 70 years is a really long time. Most of us, listen, we can't even wait 70 seconds for our food to be done in the microwave. We stand in front of that thing. It's like we're getting all the vibrations or terrible things for us, but we're like, is it done yet? Is it done yet? Is it done yet? Is it done yet? We do not know how to work our weight. We don't know how to just dig in and be determined. Like these people had 70 years of atoning for their sins. There was stuff that they had to do during that time. 70 years. With this, this moment was actually a reset for the Israelites. We don't have to wait anymore. It actually says that God banished them from his presence. But God in all of his mercy said, I don't ever want to be separated from my people ever again. And so what he did is he actually sent his son Jesus to come to this earth to die on a cross, and it says that when he died on the cross, a veil was torn, and that veil was a representation of our separation from God, meaning that in that moment, all separation was now gone. There was no longer a 70-year wait. There actually, restoration can happen right here and right now in this moment because of what Jesus did, and so Jesus came. He raised from the grave three days later paying the price for our sins that we did in the past, the sins that we are currently doing, and all of the sins that we will do in the future because I don't know about you, but we are not perfect and we will continue to sin. But Jesus knew all of that. God knew all of that. He knew that we would still mess up and still chose to send the most important thing to him for us. And I think a lot of these times when we can go in these seasons of exile or we're walking through a really hard time, we feel like God has abandoned us. And so what I want to do is I actually want to ask everybody to close their eyes for one second. Because I'm going to read these verses over you that are found in Romans. And just keep your eyes shut for one second. And closing our eyes just kind of silences all the distractions. It says in Romans 8, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. No. Despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours who loved us, through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing ever separates us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears of today nor worries of tomorrow, not even in the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above nor in earth on below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And sometimes I think that the convenience of the cross, we actually lose the reverence for the sacrifice that was made. Because we don't have to work. We don't have to wait. Restoration can happen right here and right now. We get lost in the comfortability of that. We get lost in the convenience of what the cross represents to us. And what's so beautiful is that God can do that right here and right now in this service, in this moment, whether you're in this room, you're at Lighthouse Point, 
Maybe you don't know God. You've never had a personal relationship with him, or maybe you did at one point, but you, in a, in a season of exile, you exited prematurely, and you've been running from God ever since. And right now, you're like, I don't want to be separated from God anymore. I want a relationship with him. I want the purposes and the plans that he has for my life. And if you're in here today and you would want to pray this prayer of salvation, it's called a salvation prayer. And really it's just you saying that you're choosing to follow after God. Would you do this simple act of raising your hand? And if you want, you can raise it now. I can count to three for you like Pastor TJ does. But what raising your hand does is it actually creates this motion, this action towards a decision that you are making, that you are choosing to follow after God. And so if that's you in this room, if you would raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. I see you. I see you. So if that's you, you can pray this out loud. You can scream it from the rooftops. You can pray it quietly. Just say, God. Thank you for the immeasurable sacrifice that you made for me. I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son to die on a cross and raised three days later to pay a price for my sins that I could not pay. I'm choosing to believe today that you are who you say you are. I'm choosing you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you for restoring my past, changing my present, and securing my future. And God, I pray that you would help the rest of us to never take your sacrifice for granted. God, help us to follow in your ways, reminding us that no exile can separate us from your presence. Help us to get a game plan. Help us to get the right perspective. And God, surround us with the right people that are gonna push us towards all the dreams and all the plans and all the visions and all the purposes that you have for us. God, I love that this room is filled with all of those things. And God, I pray that you would use your body, the body of Christ, all of us in here working together to accomplish things that we could never dream or imagine. God, it is in your powerful name that all of us in this 